As they go out, I want to draw everyone's attention again to the screen for our scripture reading for this morning, please. Whether you're in the room with us or you're away somewhere this weekend, hopefully celebrating Mother's Day, we'll hear the word of God all together. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 8a, first part of verse 8. Hear now God's word for us today. If I speak in tongues of human beings and of angels, but I don't have love, I'm a clanging gong or a clashing cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I know all the mysteries and everything else, and if I have such complete faith that I can move mountains, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give away everything that I have and hand over my own body to feel good about what I've done, but I don't have love, I receive no benefit whatsoever. Love is patient. Love is kind. It isn't jealous. It doesn't brag. It isn't arrogant. It isn't rude. It doesn't seek its own advantage. It isn't irritable. It doesn't keep a record of complaints. It isn't happy with injustice, but it is happy with the truth. Love puts up with all things, trusts in all things, hopes for all things, endures all things. Love never fails. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It's already been expressed, but to, to everyone in the room, happy Mother's Day. Uh, do you know the history of Mother's Day? Maybe you do. If you don't, you're about to. So around about uh, the late 1800s, the end of the Civil War, uh, there was a woman by the name of Ann Reeves Jarvis who lived in Grafton, West Virginia. And she had been inspired to start what she called mothering clubs in her community, but then they spread to neighboring communities to teach uh, women uh, about good parenting and good mothering. And that movement sort of took off in their area. But then at the conclusion of the Civil War, particularly in that part of the country, she and others observed the tension and hostility between people who had been in the, in the North and the South and so these mothering clubs turned their focus toward peace in their communities and between neighbors. And that's what they began to promote. And then they made it a movement where it sort of coalesced and they began to talk about what if we had a day where we could really point to and call for peace and love in our communities and in our nation that is so fragile right now and trying to come back together as one. And along with Ann Reeves Jarvis, uh, Julie Ward Howe also had issued a Mother's Day proclamation calling for the same kind of thing to happen in our nation. Well, Ann Reeves Jarvis passed away in 1905, and her daughter, Anna Jarvis, picked up the flag and carried it forward, calling for a, a national Mother's Day. And in fact, the first 
known Mother's Day celebration of record was held in a Methodist church, the Methodist church in Grafton, West Virginia. Shortly after, uh, Woodrow Wilson signed a proclamation making the second Sunday in May Mother's Day for our nation. 1914 was the first official national Mother's Day that had been intended by Ann Jarvis to be a day of peace and love and particularly to be a day in the churches, hence the first Mother's Day celebration where families would all go to church with their moms and the mother figures in their lives. Not just to make their moms happy, but to, as a people, together raise high the mantle of peace and unity and love. Well, as soon as it became a national holiday, then the florists and the confectioners and the card makers got a hold of it. And in fact, just five years later, Anna Jarvis, Ann Jarvis's daughter, who had championed the movement of Mother's Day all the way to the White House into a national holiday, got so distraught about the commercialization of this day that she began to protest against Mother's Day and campaign for the end to that national holiday. She sued florists and card makers and confectioners who were using the phrase Mother's Day on anything that they were trying to sell to make money and turn this day into a day of profit. There's even tell that she was arrested for disturbing the peace for one of her protests against Mother's Day, the very holiday that she had championed and helped to start in honor of her mother and her mother's desire to see peace and unity and love in our nation that within five years got turned into an opportunity to profit and gain and became about gifts. That is not to let anybody off the hook in here, don't get me wrong. If that's where you're leaving here with. But somehow this celebration of love and peace and a mother's love and how a mother's love shows us love and showing signs of love to our mothers and mother figures lost its way and became about profit and gifts. It sort of brings to mind for me that story about Jesus turning over the tables in the temple of the money changers. It also brings to mind for me these words of Paul in 1 Corinthians 13 about love. So today, on Mother's Day, here in this church, we will lift high the high ideal of peace and love in our world, in our families, in our communities, in our homes. See, in this passage of Scripture, Paul has just finished for the Corinthians in the, in the previous chapter, chapter 12, has just finished talking about the spiritual gifts that we all have from God. And then talking about how they all work together, 
how all those gifts are needed to work in concert with each other, just like the human body, so that the church can be the body of Christ for the world. Paul also recognized, as he was writing this back to the Corinthians, what had been going on in their church related to those gifts that they knew that they had been given and that they were exercising. And in fact, what was happening among them is they were bickering. See, already the church had become about their giftedness and what they had and what they wanted and what they thought was special about them and how everybody else ought to be like them and have the gifts they have. And if they don't, well, my gifts are a little bit higher than yours. And, and so in chapter 13, Paul says things like, if you don't have love in the midst of all of that, then it's just useless, unproductive noise. Love, Paul says, trumps everything. And he didn't say love is another one of those spiritual gifts that we learn to harness or master or recognize in our lives and put to work. In fact, what he was saying is love is the gift. If you read all the way to the end of chapter 13, he says these three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. What he told the church in the midst of all of their efforts to figure out and decide who among them gets to be on the prophecy committee and who among them should have a seat on the wisdom board and who among them should get to have their ability to speak in tongues demonstrated and displayed for all the church to see and appreciate. What matters most is love. What matters most is to be loved. To be loved by God. To know you are loved by God. With a love that will never, ever fade or fail. No matter what happens, no matter what you do, God loves you. Isn't that like the, the best we could hope for in a mother's love? That there is this love that loves us no matter what. This is, though, fully and perfectly the love of God, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians. God loves you this way be loved and then born naturally out of that sense of being loved is to be loving this is what Paul is calling the church to I have a sense that this is what Ann Reeves Jarvis and Julie Howe and all the rest of them and they're like we're calling the church to was to be loved and to be loving Somewhere in there, we make love conditional. We love a person. If we think they ought to be loved. We love others based on the circumstances or our feelings. 
At times we can be tempted to make love about the object of our love. And what Paul is calling the followers of Jesus to is to be loving people, period. Regardless of who they are or what they've done or how you may feel or your closeness or affinity to them or how alike you might be with them. Paul calls us to be loving people. This is actually something that got uh, one of the founders of the United Methodist Church in a lot of trouble back in his day. Uh, theologically speaking, dear John Wesley, um, probably the most controversial of his teachings, something he wrote about and talked about late in his life in the late 1700s, he brought forward the idea based on Scripture where we are told by Jesus, be loving, be perfect. Some translations say, as your Father in heaven is perfect. John Wesley brought that forward to the church and said, according to this, then we can be perfect as our Father in heaven is perfect. This is a teaching to which he aspired and espoused, and he faced a lot of heat for it. Naturally, because people thought the same thing you're thinking right now. Can't be perfect. I'm not perfect. None of us are perfect. We'll never be perfect. No way. He got that same response. In fact, he wrote a paper, a very, very long paper about it that you can go read today. A plain account of Christian perfection. And this is the line I want to share with you from that. I'll just pull one out for you. That John Wesley said this in 1777 about Christian perfection and the fact that we could aspire to it. He said, perfection means to have a heart all flaming with the love of God. That you and I and anyone who would follow after Jesus can in fact be perfected in love. And it is in the love of God that we can be as our Father in heaven is. Perfected in love. Now, of course, they press Wesley on it. Oh, have you gotten there yet? There's probably the other thing you were thinking if somebody were to say that to you. And he said, no, of course I have not. And then they said, have you seen anybody who's done that yet? Or that you feel like is there yet? And he said, no, no, I haven't. More than just motivational or aspirational, like, oh, that'll just keep you going after it. It really was, for the founder of the Methodist movement, a conviction of his that we, in fact, could be perfected in love as we follow after Jesus by God. That God makes this possible in us through Jesus Christ and by the power of of the Holy Spirit. And as we celebrate moms today, um, I, I just want to lift up for us somebody that I think may be America's mom right now, Dolly Parton. Um, she's releasing a new album this year. She's 77 years old and releasing a new album. One of the singles off of it just dropped. And uh, I'm going to share a lyric with you in a minute from it. Dolly has no biological children of her own. She's been interviewed about that, and um, she said she feels like maybe she doesn't have any children of her own so that everybody's children could be hers. There you go. So 
That's where I pull that notion from. Maybe she is America's mom. And, by the way, um, Dolly wrote a children's album about five years ago, recorded a children's album. So if you want to go find that for your kids. Uh, she also founded the Imagination Library. Are you familiar with this movement to provide free books for children? They've given out over 100 million books to kids for free to help them learn to read. Because isn't that important? And we all read where Dolly donated a million dollars to Vanderbilt University to be used in research for a vaccine for COVID that actually was a donation that led to the Moderna vaccine being created as quickly as it was. One of the doctors there at Vanderbilt said her donation probably made, helped us arrive at that vaccine 10 times faster than we would have without it. There you go, America's mom. But this song by Dolly, this new song that she's just released, is uh, called World on Fire. And this is the part I wanted to read for you. She says, can we rise above? Can't we show some love? Do we just give up? Or make a change? We know all too well we've all been through hell. Time to break the spell in heaven's name. Can't we? Can't we rise above the fire and the fray? Can't we rise above the temptation to make it all about money or profits and gifts? Can't we rise above jockeying for power and control and the insatiable need to be right? Can't we all be loved and loving in the way of Jesus, the way of the scriptures, the way Paul laid out for us in Corinthians? Patient and kind, trusting, hoping, enduring, not bragging or keeping score, not arrogant or jealous, self-serving see this is not a sentimental kind of love this is active resilient and long suffering it is a way of living and existing in the world with love like Jarvis and Howe and the women of their day when the world is at war Maybe we just look next door and show love. There's a few ways that that's happening even right now in this church. You probably saw in the bulletin a mention about a family in our community in Sexton Woods whose house burned to the ground. And there's an opportunity for us all to pitch in to help them get back on their feet. And a way to show love. If you feel so inclined, that information is there, and I hope that you would consider supporting them, as you would appreciate the support if it were you. You also see in there uh, that we have an effort underway to gather anybody who wants to, to help participate in Habitat for Humanity and support a bill that will be coming up. I think the date is July 22nd. I saw Denise. July 22nd. Thank you, Denise Berry, for leading that charge and coordinating it. And 
We're, we're just joining in to be a part of work that's being done in our community. The good work that Habitat does to not only build new houses, but do renovations on homes, particularly for veterans, and, and build other things like, uh, they, they build small houses like for children too, and uh, when they've had a house build. And so you can provide food for, the, for folks as they're working. There's a lot of stuff that we can do to be a part of that. And what you're going to see in our newsletter this week, if you get the email, if you don't, I hope you'll sign up and get it. What you're going to see is some more information about an opportunity we have to show some love for residents at Wesley Woods beyond just the offering that we just received. Uh, Wesley Woods has many locations, uh, residential towers and homes around North Georgia and in the metro Atlanta area. One of them is called Wesley Woods Brannon Towers. And um, that is a place where they provide the most subsidized housing for people who need it, senior adults. And uh, in their backyard, their courtyard at the towers, they've got an art project, a mosaic um, panel, and we've got a picture of it that I want to share with you because we're going to renovate it. Uh, it has sort of fallen into disrepair. You can see panels have fallen off. And so I had a great conversation with a member here, Rachel Meixel, who loves to do artwork and particularly outdoor or large-scale art projects. And so Rachel has agreed, with your help, to take this on to help beautify the campus of Wesley Woods Brandon Towers. And so they're working with a date right now, probably in July, uh, where folks can go down there together or even work on something and send it down there to help make the folks who live at Wesley Woods Brandon Towers make their day a little bit brighter when they go outside to see a beautiful piece of artwork. And so that'll come, information about that will come out in our newsletter this week. There'll be more coming as the plan develops. But if you're interested in it, if that piques your interest as a way to show love, um, I hope that you'll pay attention and respond when that opportunity arises. All of these are just ways that we can use our own gifts and giftedness to remind people that they are loved and maybe even inspire them and others to be loving. Now that's a good way to spend Mother's Day. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.